Well, it is time to transition to the Word of God. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing that, and my, my heart is almost overwhelmed as we transition because uh, I affectionately call him the bishop, but we got my pastor, Dr. Eric Mason, is here today. And, amen. And, and just a, a couple of quick words uh, about him. You know, when, when I first uh, came to Epiphany in Philly, before, you know, I didn't come to plant a church. I went to be shepherded and pastored. And when I came under this man's leadership and under this man's ministry, my family and I, I'm going to just be honest with you, I was ready to give up on church. In fact, I was there already. When I, when I talked to him, the first conversation I had was, I'm done. And the Lord used him in such a profound way to, uh, instead of growing in bitterness, he used him to help me, to pastor me, to show me uh, the importance of the church. And so I really do make a lot of noise and put a lot of emphasis on him. And the reason I do that is because he makes a lot of noise and puts emphasis on Jesus. And he loves his, he loves his wife well. He loves his, his, uh, his, his children well. And I, I'm grateful that uh, I am under this man's leadership. And, and I be, am being honest with you guys. If you ever, if I ever hear you say a negative word about him, I will shoot you in the knee. I'm just saying, I love this man. I genuinely love this man. I'm grateful for his ministry. He, he has coined, I don't know if you guys have heard this term, but he's coined the term woke church, really dealing prophetically with social issues uh, that the church has ignored. In the Western part of the, the world, the church has ignored it for years. And he has been faithful to shine a spotlight on it, to show that, hear me, that it's an implication of the gospel. It is not separate from the gospel. It is not a social gospel. It is the gospel. It's an implication of it. So I'm grateful for him. So why don't you guys do me a favor? Before we do that, if there's any ladies that are standing, fellas, if we could give up our seats and we stand and let the ladies sit. There's a young lady that can sit right here where Dr. Mason just got up. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. I appreciate you guys. Ladies, y'all come on, sit on down. Amen. As they're transitioning, if the rest of you guys, if you, if you guys could point your hands this way as we pray for Dr. Mason. Father, thank you so much for this man and his, the work that you've put on his plate. Lord, I pray, oh God, as he ministers to us today, I pray that he would do so with the power of the Spirit of God. Father, I pray, oh God, we need your Spirit to hear your word, but he needs it to preach your word. So Father, I pray for the unbeliever in here. We thank you that they are here, but Father, I pray that you would save them today. Here's the beauty. Salvation is not up to them anyway. It is up to you. So Father, would you swoop down and ransom their hearts? And I pray for the, the believer in this room. Father, would you empower us, encourage us, and rebuke us? Help us to not just walk out and say amen, but let us walk out and say ouch. It is in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And we thank you for your word that is the final arbiter in our life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all give the Bishop of Brooklyn welcome. How y'all doing? Oh, y'all don't sound like y'all doing too good. How y'all doing? Good, 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 good. How many of you glad to celebrate two years? If I was in the, in the South, I'd say yours. Since I'm in Brooklyn, I'd say yes. So, <laughs> well, this is amazing. And I, I can't tell you as a, um, as a pastor and having, um, looked at church planting, global church planting for a couple of decades almost now, and I see 
all of you here today does my heart unbelievable good. This is the first service was just about at the same place as this, and this stuff doesn't happen by accident. Um, God is up to something, and I believe that there's a silent uh, revival going on in urban centers where there is a hunger for Jesus Christ among millennials. They're writing articles about y'all leaving the church, but as I look in here, it seems like it's not really happening that much. It seems like God is up to something. It's not that he's they're leaving the church. Maybe it's they're wanting something different, and we're not trying to act like we're better than anybody. Amen, somebody. Um, but we, we're, we're just thankful for what God has done. I want to um, take this time to acknowledge my sweet wife that's with me. Stand up, my dime piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing? How you doing? We just celebrated 20 years in December of marriage. So that, that, is, that is such a wonderful thing to be married for 20 years. Um, also, I want to celebrate um, Pastor Brandon and Sister Ty. Um, amen. You, you should never let anyone out celebrate who God has given you. And so you always, we, we know that we, we're in a low honor culture because so many churches have abused honor and use it as a way of exalting the pastor above Jesus. And so that's not the intention here. There is a biblical mandate on the believer to give honor where honor is due. And that honor should be given when it is, when it said those who preach and teach uh, are worthy of double honor. And so let, let, let me give you a chance to bless God for your leadership here. Give God some honor. Give God some praise for your leadership. Amen. Some of y'all still like, I ain't there yet. It's all good. It's all good. We want to be healthy. Um, just before I begin, just a few things. He asked me to talk a little bit. And so it's, it's great to see this church getting planted two years old. Um, we, just one church. We planted another church last week in Gloucester City, New Jersey. All white church from a predominantly African-American church which is weird because that's how you know Jesus is on the throne when black people can plant white people. Uh, Y'all don't have your shouting shoes on. Y'all just got to understand, you know. And, and, and so um, in our racially divided culture, that's beautiful. And they're in one of the most racist sections of South Jersey. Um, and so they're seeing skinheads meet Jesus, uh, people who hated black people meet Jesus Christ. And it is just unbelievably amazing um, to see what God is doing. And then right across the highway, on the other side of the highway in Camden, New Jersey, you got Epiphany Camden, right across the highway. Then in the northeast section of our city, you got Restoration, which is an Epiphany church. Then you got launching next month. In a few weeks, you got Epiphany, Del uh, Wilmington, Delaware is, is, is launching. They're already at 75, 80 people already, and they're ready to, they're ready to up and run. We got Epiphany Baltimore planting, amazing. Uh, in a few months, we got Epiphany South Central LA. They're in the Crenshaw area section. Very, very multi-ethnic church there. Y'all ain't giving God no praise. Um, and then, last, last but not least, last but not least, um, we have um, 14 churches in Malawi, Africa that were planted over the last 12 months. So you ought to give God some praise for that. Amen. 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 And so people keep asking me, can you plant us? I'm like, nah, we done for like five years. That's enough. 
And so we're, we're thankful to God for that. And just want you to know that you are part of something bigger. Somebody say bigger. Bigger. Whenever you think about what God is doing here, I want you to pray and think about the globe and the fact that what God is doing in Brooklyn isn't unique because God made um, a one people from all people. And in doing that, we are seeing and experiencing the beauty of God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's dig into this text. Hebrews 8, 1 through 6. Going to read this, talk a little bit, preach a little bit, teach a little bit, get out your way. Hebrews, Hebrews. Oh, by the way, Epiphany Philly, put your hands up. Anybody that's from Epiphany Philly or, or used to be a part of Epiphany Philly, put your hands up. Amen, amen. Glad y'all here. Glad y'all here. Amen. All right. Hebrews 8, 1 through 6. Let's get it. Oh, y'all got on the screen now. I'm going to do my Epiphany Philly thing. On three, read. One, two, three, go. For the brief time that I've been given, I'd like to talk about no more counterfeit sanctuaries. No more counterfeit sanctuaries. Let's go before the Lord. Lord God Almighty, we thank you, maker of heaven and earth, who is the great God, the mighty God, the God of all things, the God of the universe. There's no such thing as Mother Nature. There's no such thing as karma, and there's no such thing as the universe. There's only you. And you are extend from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. There is no space that you don't exist. There's no issue that you're not knowledgeable of. There's no uh, uh, power that can overthrow you because you're God. And so today, we're asking you to throw your weight around and show the enemy who's boss. And God, I'm praying that you would break through in lives. We want a celebration, but we want transformation. We want celebration, but we want transformation in this generation and beyond, God. So break through in Jesus' name and do what you do, God. We, we ask you to let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable. In your sight, oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree that's it? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. No more counterfeit sanctuaries. It's interesting that, um, uh, you know, people tend to call me a, uh, a coffee aficionado or coffee snob. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself that. Uh, I, you know, I, I just like coffee a lot. And one of the things about me liking coffee a lot is, 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 is I've learned over the years of coffee enjoyment that real good coffee shouldn't need sugar or cream. Um, I can't stand when someone puts flavored cream in a beautiful coffee. It, it's, it's like taking a great Picasso painting and coloring on it. It's just, it's just not good. It's just not good. And so 
Um, one of the things that I, I, I like as, as, as I've learned about good coffee um, is, is in two regions I love a whole lot. I love Ethiopia and I love uh, a Kona coffee from Hawaii. Uh, that, that's growth on, grown on volcanic soil, and so you get those notes. And one of the things I like about when you don't have no honey, sugar, agave, uh, sweet and low, equal, uh, trivia, and all of that mess up in your coffee, no vanilla, no hazelnut, you understand what I'm saying? No, no, no chocolate mocha and, and all, all, you, know, uh, you know, all of that stuff, eggnog, latte, and all of that mess, right? I don't fool with none of that. What I like is a good cup of coffee that's either been vacuum-pressed, or pour over, or some good way that it's been developed in order to maximize the note capacity that's in it. And sometimes you'll drink some, a good cup of coffee that's been properly prepared, and it'll have nougat overtones and, and, and blueberries and crushed raspberries or some bittersweet chocolate. I mean, it just rolls across your tongue in a glorious and beautiful way. Y'all ready to drink some coffee, ain't you? And, 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 and in, other, in other words, you don't want to put stuff in the coffee to mask the depth of what it naturally has. Because the, 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 the coffee was put through a process in order to make sure everything from roasting to brewing gets out of it the maximum capacity of the flavor and enjoyment and aromatic expressions that was created to give. Well, the church is like coffee. Jesus Christ has bought you with a price, and there are notes in your life. There's grace in your life. There's mercy in your life. There's peace in your life. There's spirituality in your life. There's self-control in your life. There's love in your life. There's joy in your life. There's kind of, there are all different kinds of things in your life, but today in our churches and in our country, there are things that water down the notes of what God has placed in us for us to be able to have maximum capacity to show off the beauty of what God has placed in us. Some of those things that we experience challenges with in our culture is racism. Some of us sp uh, spend time in, in, in all of our functional saviors and all different types of things personally that we are allowed to get in the way of us maximizing ourselves of being a sanctuary of God. Now, the question on the floor is, what in the world is a sanctuary? A sanctuary, if you will, is a dwelling place for God's presence. It's also a place of restoration and redemption. Not only that, <clears throat> it is also a place of significance, dignity, and identity. Another thing that a sanctuary is, a sanctuary is sacred ground. But not only is it sacred ground, it's also a place that informs your direction. And so we come into a passage of scripture that I believe is one of the most fascinating parts of scripture <clears throat> because the writer of the scripture uh, or this letter refused to autograph it. And he didn't autograph it for many reasons. We know that the North African and Palestinian church fathers and, and, and the Antiochian church fathers would ascribe this to Paul. And so those in lower Egypt and upper Egypt, lower Egypt, darker skin, uh, upper e uh, lower Egypt is red bone Egyptians. Um, lower, uh, upper Egypt was dark skin, more Nubiaized Christians. And, 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 so, and so you had, you had Mocha the Joker all the way through the whole situation. But the beauty of this and the, and the glory of this passage is, is rooted in, in, in us seeing that the writer wants to say Jesus is better than everything. Okay, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not at the Pentecostal church. See, if I was at a Pentecostal church, when I say Jesus is better than everything, somebody would have ran and somebody would have shouted. But, 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 but some of y'all need to live long enough to experience Jesus being better than everything. See, everything else hasn't failed you yet enough 
for you to recognize the fact that Jesus is better than everything. But if you live long enough and if you experience some mess and some trials and some tribulations and if you dib and you've dabbed in some addictions and some things that keep you coming back and keep you circling back and the, at the end of it you're depressed at the end of it you're frustrated at the end of it you're hurt because you're putting confidence in a place that was never set up to be a dwelling place a place of identity a place of significance a place of joy and a place of enjoyment one day you're going to learn family of God that Jesus is enough So when we look at Hebrews, this is, this is the beast mode book of the, old, the New Testament. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, this is like some fly stuff. You, you understand what I mean? I mean, all of the book speaks about him, but, but, but I like how he goes ham for Jesus on steroids. Because one of the things he begins to tell you in chapter 1 is that Jesus is better than the angels. I love that. In chapter 2, he tells you that Jesus is better than any human. In, in chapter 3, it says he's better than all of, the, uh, of the, the sacred places that have been set up. In chapter 4, it points to the beauty of the fact that Jesus is the blessed resting place, that the Sabbath ain't enough. He got better rest for you. Uh, I'm in chapter 5. He says he's the, the greatest high priest. I love the beauty of that. And, and then he talks about the failing of the old system. Then he comes to chapter 8, and he wants to help us to know that Jesus is the true sanctuary. Which brings me to my first and only point, Jesus has secured access to the true eternal sanctuary. Jesus has secured access, somebody say access, access. to the true and eternal sanctuary. Let's dig in this text a bit. Verse 1, I love it. It says, now the main point of what, I, what, of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down. Somebody say sat down. At the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Interestingly enough here in the passage, the writer has been building such a great argument of Jesus being better than everything because the believers don't believe he's better than everything. And so what they're trying to do is they think they have the capacity within their own life to build up themselves being everything without Jesus centering them and already making himself everything in their life. And because of that confusion, he says we have this great high priest. Well, what he's comparing it to is he talked about the Aaronic or Levitical priesthood, and he talks about the insufficiency of that priesthood to bring long-term change in the life of those who are under the old covenant. And because it didn't bring long-term change, the, 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 the high priest had to go in once a year on Yom Kippur, and he had to make a sacrifice for everybody else, but he also had to make a sacrifice for himself. And so it lets you know that, first off, if you have to do it all over and over and over again, it's insufficient. But if he had to make a sacrifice for you, that means he's also an insufficient high priest that had to be set aside in some way for him to be able to be a high priest. But then he says, we, we got a different type of high priest now. He said, we don't have a high priest that's jacked up and messed up and going in to take care of his own sins. In other words, we have a high priest that's sinless, yet he was tempted in every way like we were without sin. So that means Jesus isn't some, uh, didn't come to earth a, a, as a superhuman. He came as an actual human. Oh, God, you don't know when to shout. I like the fact, I like the fact that Jesus, Jesus didn't cheat by using his deity. 
I felt God right there. He, in, other, in, other, in, other, in other words, he didn't use his omniscience and omnipresence. Although he was still God, he added to himself an additional nature without in his humanity accessing it. And that's what the dark-skinned uh, globetrotter Athanasius defended at the Great Council of Nicaea, where Christianity was not created, by the way. Um, and, 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 oh, that was for free. And, um, and, and what was beautiful about this doctrine is the doctrine of two natures. Two natures, homoousia, if you will. The, uh, the beauty of the kenosis, 100% God, 100% man in one person. Two natures, separate, yet united in one person forever, forever, forever. That's who Jesus is. And so we got this type of high priest, perfect humanity and perfect deity, united in him, unmixed forever, coming in, and we have this type of high priest. What type of high priest? I already told you some of the things about the type of high priest that we got, but we got some other elements to this high priest that makes him a unique high priest. He's prophet, he's priest, and he's king. There is no one who has ever, ever occupied all three offices. There have been a few who have been prophet and priest. But no, no, no king was priestly because they didn't come from a priestly line. And so Jesus Christ, I love the fact that he's prophet, priest, and king because he covers all the bases for us. Oh, my God. I like the fact that I have a savior that takes care of everything. Let, 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 let me explain that to you because you're looking at me funny. To be a prophet, that means he speaks to you. To be a priest, that means he speaks for you. But to be a king, he fights for you. Help me today. Yeah, 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 I like that. Because, because the fact that he's prophet, that means he speaks to you. That means he tells you stuff that you need to hear and stuff that you can encourage you. In other words, he's a balanced prophet. Mm -mm -mm. See, a balanced prophet doesn't promise you cars and houses. Help me today. Um, a, a balanced prophet encourages you and rebukes you. See, if you, are, if you got a prophet to come to you to tell you everything good, run from that prophet because Jeremiah 23, 23 says, none of them have been sent by God if they prophesy good all the time. In other words, a good prophet tells you when you're a mess. A good prophet tells you when you need encouragement. A good prophet rebukes you because a good prophet wants you to be better, not just give them stuff. Help me today. So we got a good prophet in Jesus because he tells you what's wrong with you while helping you with what's wrong with you. Oh, my God. That's the kind of that's the kind of leader we have. I, that's why I, I feel like bowing to him for that reality, because I can get rebuked with encouragement. I love it. I got to move. I got to move. It's too much in here. But he's also priest. He speaks for you. There's sometimes when you mess up. You don't know what to say. You ever messed up so bad where you felt like heaven's throne was closed to you? <laughs> Guess what Jesus does? He nudges pops because he's on the right hand, so he's nudging to his left. And he's not nudging a body because he's sitting next to unbodied expansiveness. <laughs> Made me want to speak in tongues right there. And he says, Pops, remember I nail prints, nail print ministry? Pops said, all right, I'm not going to wipe them out. Just because you told me not to. Anyway. <laughs> but he's king, he fights for you. See, some of y'all used to be scrappy back in the day. 
Some of y'all like, I had them hands. You know, you know, know how you know somebody had hands? Because somebody say something crazy to them. You say, you better be glad I'm a Christian now. <laughs> That's code language for, I would have knocked you out right on Fulton, right in front of the corner store, put you slammed to sleep in Jesus' name. That's what I would have done. <laughs> I would have done, right? But, but as a king who fights for us, there are things that your fist can't do that Jesus can do for you. That's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but they are divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. There's some things in your life that you can't fight. There's some things in your fight that you, life you can't move. But every now and then you need Jesus Christ, the prophet, to speak, for, or speak to you, but you need the priest to speak uh, for you, but then you need the king to fight for you. So Jesus, it says, sits at the right hand of God. Now, this is this is. This is absolutely flagrantly fly stuff. The thing that makes it beautiful is that no one gets to open their eyes in the unapproachable light of God. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of God. And in order to sit there without being destroyed, he has to be perfect and God. Now, a lot of people say the Bible never says that Jesus Christ is God. The reason why they wanted to kill him, because he kept saying it. Okay, they, they, they was getting at him. They said, who do you think you are? The Pharise- you know, Pharisees are religious, so they're trying to jam Jesus up. Who do you think you are calling yourself Elohim? And, they, you know, and he's like, okay, David, who spoke under the Holy Spirit. I like when Jesus get at you because um, he, he bought that life. And, and, and he says to them, he says, he says in Psalm 110.1, my Yahweh said to my Adonai, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool under your feet. So you have Yahweh, coveted name, Adonai, exalted name, nickname of God. So how do you have God talking to God? He said, he said, my Yahweh, sovereign Lord, talks to my Adonai, big boss. That's the exegetical, lexicographical Eric Mason translation of that. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so Jesus Christ proclaims his deity. Why? Because he's showing the fact that Jesus Christ is in the holy place. This is beautiful. Now, when you look at the verse, that's what's helping us. It says he sits at the right hand of the throne of majesty. Verse 2, I got to move. We just went through one verse. Verse 2. It says, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle. Somebody say true tabernacle. Oh, this is good. Now, you remember the first tabernacle. Uh, was with curtains, and it was outer court, inner court, and holies of holy. Now, if you remember the old outer court, that's where everybody can hang out at. There was actually an outer outer court, what's called a court of Gentiles, where if you weren't a Jew, you couldn't be in the outer court. But then there's the inner court where the, pre- the Levitical priest can hang out at, burn a couple of incense, chill out, chant and pray and all of that. But then there's the holies of holies that one year, only one person can go in at one time a year. You couldn't just be walking all up in there. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? You can just slide up in there and all that, slide up into the holies, the holies, or you'll get flattened by the holy presence of God. So, so what would happen is, is that the high priest would be like, y'all pray for me now. I'm about to go in the holies of holies. Even he was scared because he knew he was a sinner. Uh, 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 uh. I'll come back to that later. And so what they would do is they had bells on the bottom of his outfit. And, and it says, just in case he dropped dead, they tied a rope around his ankle. Because everybody's like, we ain't coming to get you if you fall out. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So um, as he walks in, it's jingle, lingle, jingle, lingle, 
jingle, lingle, jingle, lingle, jingle. And if he dropped, poof, jingle, lingle, and that was it, that means pull him out. But what he would go in and do once a year with fear is God would come down once a year. And the Bible says that he would rest over the seat of mercy. In other words, God had a place in the holy place where he gave his people what they didn't deserve. And he, would, and he would meet them there. But listen to what the text says. The text says there's a true sanctuary. That Jesus in heaven at the right hand of God is in the true sanctuary. Now later it's going to call the sanctuary on earth. I'm laying a foundation. Please stay with me. He, 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 he's saying that those were copies of in shadows pointing to a greater sanctuary. That's why it's made after the pattern of what heaven is like. This is amazing. The text says that Moses on the mountain, God gave him a holographic image of heaven. <laughs> when it says make it after the pattern, that means he had to see something. And he wrote down what heaven's outer court, inner court, and holies of holy look like in order to make a replica of it on earth to be a pointer to something larger. Jesus now exists in the unapproachable light of God in eternal chillage with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, when you look at this reality, people of God, this is important because Jesus as our high priest right now, he is our sacrifice, 1 John 2.2. He is our mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5. He intercedes for us, Hebrews 7.25. He makes sure our prayers are answered, John 15.13. And he protects our relationship with the Father forever. Oh, let me stop right there. That, that was good right there. He protects your relationship. In other words, you can't lose your relationship with God. Oh, help me today. It's called eternal life. If it's called eternal, that means it never ends. If you can lose it, you had temporal life, not eternal life. So it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it said, our salvation is protected in heaven. That means you have titanium protection. It's an eternal insurance plan that you couldn't pay for. Prudential, progressive, Geico, none of them had the type of protection that Jesus Christ on the cross gave for you. There is no insurance plan that can match what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and matter of fact, he paid the premium and he paid the balance because of his work on the cross in taking care of us. It says for every high priest, a point is appointed to offer gifts sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary for the high priest also to offer something for himself. Verse 4. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be high priest. Why? Since there are no, there are those offering gifts prescribed by the law. They still doing it. Verse 5. Here we go. These serve as a copy and shadow of heavenly things. Stop right there. Many of us in our life don't realize that not only do we not submit to the copy that was on earth, but we have created counterfeit sanctuaries. Many of our lives are filled with counterfeit sanctuaries. Some of your sanctuary is the sanctuary of acceptance, where you want people to accept you. So you build your life around feeling safe when you feel accepted. Some of you are on a journey of self-discovery that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. 
And your journey of being a spiritual hermit running from place to place with no spiritual stability because you're on some artsy ministry, not kingdom ministry. There's nothing wrong with being an artist, but you don't get, uh, you don't get graded on the curve because you're on a, a lifestyle of discovery. That means you got to grow up sometimes. Some of you all, your sanctuary is relationship goals. I was getting this real quiet right now. Some of you, you find your greatest identity in being in a relationship with someone. And your identity, you're going from relationship to relationship to relationship, and you're emotionally attached to 10 people, and you're, the last person you were with, you're still wanting to be with them, but you don't realize that you're trying to find your sanctuary, your place of peace, your place of comfort, your place of enjoyment in a relationship with somebody that ain't thinking of you. And you gave more to them than they should have ever got from you, and some of you have given so much away you don't feel like you have anything to give, but being in a sanctuary with God is different than being in a sanctuary with people. People take from you, God gives to you. Let me say that again. People take from you God gives to you nowadays we got people trying to find nationality now you know I know uh oh go ahead and say it you know we got uh, uh, you know African Americans in this country yes we've been culturally raped we've had our language taken away from us and everything like that but everything is everybody's on a substandard fleshly woke journey not a super standard eternal woke journey and see some of some of our wokeness is our sanctuary uh oh you, you, and so, so, so you got people putting themselves back under the law of Moses, calling themselves Hebrew Israelites. It got real quiet. We got the nation of Islam coming back. I don't know where, how they come back. Tribe of Shabazz stuff never existed. Like, who, there's no, anyway, don't get me started. And then we got African ideology, New Wapians and the conscious community. And I know they're down the street and everything. Let them come up. We can talk to them too. We open the doors of the church for them too. Amen. But we're trying to find our identity. And the Africans who are ethnically African, they're looking at us. Oh, so I was African booty scratcher back in the day. But, you know, now it's Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> now you want to know Yoruba. Now you want to know where I'm from. Now you want to know what language I speak with your unilingual self. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's nothing wrong with wanting to know your ethnic heritage, but you can't let your sociology inform your theology. You got to be careful as you go on that journey because God redeems culture. He redeems your enjoyment of it because he created it. But when it becomes yours, divorced from biblical truth, and Jesus Christ, and Christ is no longer your sanctuary, but the meaning of your dashiki is you're in trouble. You understand what you're saying? We have to begin to work through that identity. Some of us, our identity is in our sexual identity. In other words, who I am in my, uh, in my, uh, in my gender uh, defines my sanctuary. And let me tell you something, manhood, womanhood, or any other hood, and we're not beating anyone up. Don't hear me saying that. Whenever you find your sanctuary in your gender identification, it's always going to be less than what you are looking for. Only Christ is the one who can give you full, clear identity in, as your true sanctuary. You know, we got everything melanated and pan-African. We even got career sanctuaries. Some of us, our 
sanctuary is our career, but I like Ecclesiastes 3.11. It helps us all. We all have to fight false sanctuaries. He says he has made everything appropriate in his time. So he has put eternity into their hearts, talking about everyone, but no one can discover the work of God, the work God has done from beginning to end. This is amazing. Because God has booby-trapped every human being with a sense that there's something beyond them, even in their depravity. Even though all have fallen short of the glory of God, all of us have a sense that this isn't it. Now, the challenge is, is when you try to define what eternity is. That's when you go into what I call a functional savior or a, 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 a substandard sanctuary. Whatever you utilize to define what God has put in you, you begin to redefine what God wants to put in you. So what you have to do is you have to do like Paul said. Paul said he's put that in your heart based on Acts 17 for you to feel your way towards him. In other words, he put it in your heart as a way for you to seek him and walk in him. So the question on the floor is family of God. question on the floor is very, very simple as we look at this. How do I identify my counterfeit sanctuary? Number one, you must look at the relational idols in your life. Do you have spouse idols, children idols, friend idols, even enemy idols? Do you have an idol where you want to blow up so that you can make your enemy jealous of how you, you know, to all my haters out there. You know how we do. <laughs> if your life is built on proving something to your haters, they're your standard, not Jesus. Do we have religious idols, legalism? Moralism, you make a list of what it looks like to be obedient to God, and when that list is done, you feel like you've served God. The only problem is we always, we always cheat in our list development because we always make a list that's doable even though God can show you that even in the framework of your list, you still didn't do everything. If I use your list even as a standard for what all of what I require is, and I just give you that, I can still show you how you fail it because even what you put before yourself, we always grade ourselves on the curve, but we ungraciously grade everybody by the law. Uh, I got to move. Some of us got sexual idols. Uh-oh. It got real quiet on that part. Let me tell you something. Pornography, sexual, all those things. Let me tell you something. They always, if you're a believer, always jack you up. You know why? Because if you got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost got this boxing thing that he does. I don't know if you've ever been convicted when you've done something sexually stupid. Now, I know nobody in here done that because everybody in here is a virgin and been walking with Jesus since, they, they, you know, they was on isomil, Right? But we got to break those we got political idols, comfort idols, approval idols, all of those different things. So based on that, how do we embrace the new and true sanctuary? How do we do it? Number one, knowing that you have already overcome them by Jesus. In other words, you're not trying to overcome these counterfeit sanctuaries. In Christ, you are actually overcome already because Romans 8 says you overwhelmingly overcome by him who loved you. So the problem is you don't have to feel hopeless about where you are because Christ on the cross has already done it. All you have to do is put your confidence in the one who's already taken care of what you're looking to get yourself out of. Get yourself out of something is like quicksand. The more you move, the more you sink. Next one, acknowledge the limitations, their limitations to satisfy you. Acknowledge that your functional saviors, 
and your counterfeit sanctuaries can't satisfy you. And then finally, Jesus gives us fresh experiences through the Holy Spirit. Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, you're not looking inside of yourself to, to know your true self. You know, look into yourself and, you know, look into, you know, the, the real you that's on the deep inside of you. And once you find out, the, no, you, you already know the real you. It's a mess. That's why Jesus is in there to unmess up the messiness of you. So when you look into yourself, you're looking for Jesus who lives in you, not the self that's a mess that's in you. Help me today, God. I'm done. Um, last thing, I'm out your way. Jesus is the true tabernacle, and Jesus being the true tabernacle, one day Jesus is going to come back, because right now the church is the tabernacle, functioning to reflect the eternal tabernacle. But one day, God the Father is going to big up his son. He's going to say, son, it's time. I'm going to say, all right, pops. And Jesus Christ with his linen outfit on, he got this fly, crushed linen, better than, better than Neiman Marcus or Bloomingdale's got. He got this golden bulletproof vest that's weaved out of gold. And he's going he's gonna to take his hair back, his golden, his, his wool dreadlocks, and he's going to go like that. And then, and then he's going to wipe his eyes, and he's not going to put any contacts in his eyes. just going to turn flaming red. And he's got a burnished brass body. And then they're going to get his horse, and they're going to bring it beside the throne. He's going to throw back his linen, and you're going to see a tattoo on his leg. That's what the Bible says. He has a name on his thigh that only him and his father knows, and it means faithful and true. And he's going to get up on the horse. He's going to say, heaven, y'all ready? And then the Jews are going to jump on their horse, pow, get up on their horse, pow. And then all of a sudden, Gentiles from Europe and the Caribbean and, and, and South America and Africa and Australia and from all over the world are going to jump on their white horses. And Jesus Christ is going to do like this and say, y'all ready? And he's going to put his eternal crown fitted on his head and cock it to the side like he's from the hood. And he's going to go down and he's going to say, open it up, family. And the angel on the north is going to turn. The angel on the south is going to to turn. The angel on the east is going to turn. And the angel on the west is going to turn. And heaven is going to open up. And he's going to come through galloping on his eternal horse. And his mouth is going to open. And it's going to be a sword lighting up his enemies. And he's going to come back and put death, hell, and Hades away. And then all of a sudden, we're going to dismount our horses. And we're going to have on our linen outfit. And we're going to be looking fly in our ethnic distinction. Yet we're going to have one thing in common. A, a blood highlight at the bottom of our robe. And that blood highlight represents the fact that we didn't overcome it by our false sanctuaries. We didn't overcome it by our own work. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. I wish I had a church in here that know they didn't do anything on their own. But if it had not been for the goodness of God, if it had not been for the grace of God looking out for you, walking with you, living for you, that's why he died. Yeah, he died on the cross because they hung him high and they stretched him wide. And all Friday it was quiet. All Saturday it was quiet. But early Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands. That's why I say, ain't he all right? He's a good king. He's a ruler. And he's our Lord. I can't wait till he returns. Father, Father, maybe someone is here today. And they don't know Jesus as their true sanctuary. Jesus died on the cross for your sins to take you from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's why he died. He got up from the grave. That's God's mechanism. It's not way for God to keep you out and say, no, nah, this is, he's not saying he's the only way trying to be mean. He's actually trying to say he's the only way because he's trying to be very nice. 
Is there anyone here that wants to place their confidence in Jesus? Hold your hand up in the air real high. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. I see those two hands. I see those hands. Somebody grab them for me and talk to them, please. Hold those hands up high. We'd love to pray for you about what it means to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Anyone else? Anyone else? Amen. Well, I want to pray for you real quick. If you're here and you're a believer, but you know you are locked into counterfeit sanctuaries, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. That's you. I'd love to pray for you. Thank you for coming forward, sis. Anyone else? Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your boldness. Anybody else says, I, I need prayer. I need prayer. I'm locked into some counterfeit sanctuaries myself. Thank you, sis. I see you, bro. Thank you all for being honest. Y'all can turn this way. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. Anyone else? You can come in real close. I'd love to pray for you. Anyone else? Says, I know I'm locked into some things that I know that that's, that's, that's done me dirty. And I'm allowing it to destroy my life. Anyone else says, I want to get rid of in my life counterfeit sanctuaries. I see you, sis. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Anyone else? I see you coming. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Yes, nothing wrong with dealing with it. I see y'all coming from the back. I see y'all coming from the back. Nothing wrong with dealing with it. I see you coming. You have any counterfeit sanctuaries that's destroying your ability to enjoy Jesus as your true sanctuary. Your true place of identity, your true place of peace, your true place of strength, your true place of love and life and transformation. Bible says, he who the sun sets free, is free indeed, yes. Anyone else saying, yes, I know God was talking to me and I have been leaning into stuff that I had no business leaning into. Matter of fact, I don't even know how I got duped into it. Thank you for coming, sis. I saw you pop up. I don't know how I got duped into thinking that anything is better than Jesus Christ. God wants to remind you today that he's better. That he's better. That he's better. I see you coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Anyone else? Let's go before the great and mighty God. Father, we trust that you are a true and living sanctuary. Lord, you have already done the work on the cross to point our direction heavenward. And God, I pray for those who have come forward that they would find all of their identity in you. All of their identity. Help them to, as a lifestyle, fight off whatever is trying to trick them into thinking that there is anything better than you. And God, I pray that they would enjoy life and they would maximize life because you've created all things to be enjoyed by those who believe and know the truth. But at the end of the day, help us not to find safety in the created thing. Help us to find safety in the creator. And thank you, Jesus Christ, for allowing us every time we pray to be transported to where you are, to come before the throne of grace Will we find mercy in the time of need? The time you tell us to come the most is when we are the most messiest. All of us, for me, all the way through this place are in desperate need of that. Lord, touch every man and woman that have come forward to know that you're enough. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Everybody agree with that said? Amen. If you believe Jesus is enough, put your hands together. If he's enough, amen.